Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, May 31. Celtic in line for future fee as Ager attracts interest from Premier League rival. Report by James Kearney. Celtic could be in line for a cash windfall this summer after Everton were linked with a move for Christopher Ager. The Norwegian centre-half completed a move from Parkhead to Brentford last summer for a fee of around £13.5 million after five years in Glasgow's East End. As part of the deal to take the 24-year-old down south, Celtic Chiefs included a sell-on clause that would see the Premiership champions land a chunk of any future fee. And it appears as though the Glasgow club could receive the cash during the summer transfer window after Everton registered an interest in Asia. The Athletic report that Goodison Park boss Frank Lampard is an admirer of the Norway international and is keen on bringing the centre-back to Merseyside to bulk up his team's defence. However, it is believed that Brentford will hold out for a large fee after Ager impressed as the London-based club secured a 13th place finish in their debut campaign in the Premier League. Report by James Kearney. Evening Time Sport, May 31. Scotland international Aaron Hickey among leading teenagers across European football. Report by Darren Johnson. Scotland international Aaron Hickey is one of the leading teenagers in European football when it comes to game time in the big five leagues. According to the CIES Football Observatory, the left wing-back has played 1,428 minutes for Bologna in Serie A since the turn of the year. That puts the former Hearts defender 8th on the list when taking into account minutes played by those under 20 across the Italian, English, Spanish, German and French top flights. Hickey featured in all but two of Bologna's 38 league games in the campaign that has just finished, starting 34. The 19-year-old also made his international bow in March's friendly draw with Poland before playing in the stalemate with Austria five days later. Only seven other teenagers have played more football in Europe's top five since the start of January. They are Jude Bellingham at Borussia Dortmund, Pablo Gavi and Pedro Gonzalez, both Barcelona, Castella Luqueba, Lyon, Nuno Mendes, 
PSG, Yunus Musiala, Valencia, and Destiny Udoji, Udinese. Report by Darren Johnson. Evening Time Sport, May 31. Junior mountain bike champion Aldridge determined to go for gold. Report by Graham McPherson. Charlie Aldridge clearly does not subscribe to the happy just to be there approach, often adopted by more cautious athletes ahead of their debut at a major event. The 2019 World Junior Mountain Bike Champion was named last week as part of Team Scotland's cycling group for the forthcoming Commonwealth Games, a major milestone in the 21-year-old's fledgling career. Aldridge is quietly spoken and polite to a fault, but evidently has a clear focus on what he wants to achieve and a steely confidence in his ability to get there. The cross-country event at the Games, set to take place in the Cannock Chase Forest near Birmingham, is expected to attract a high-caliber field but Aldrich sees no reason why it shouldn't be him ascending to the top step of the podium come its conclusion. He reveals, It was pretty exciting to have that news announced last week that I'd made the team for the Commie Games, as I'd known for a while but couldn't say anything. I told my family and a few mates, but had to tell them not to put it on social media until it was official, which it is now, and it's only a couple of months away now, so it's almost upon us. I'm looking forward to being part of Team Scotland and getting to know some of the athletes from other sports and all supporting each other, which will be interesting outside of the cycling bubble. They're building a new course for it in Cannock Chase, which should be good, and I know that area pretty well, which can only help. It's my first games, but I'm going to be aiming to get a medal. That's my goal. I'm expecting it's going to be a congested field, but you've got to go for gold, don't you? If you're going to enter a race, then I always think you should be trying to win it if you can. I have had a pretty decent season so far. I've had a few wins on home soil and got 10th in the World Cup as well, so I've been pleased with how it's been going despite a short setback when I got COVID. There are a lot more races happening again and that's helped me. Some people can train hard for training's sake, but I'm someone who needs that end goal of a competition to keep me going. The longer term picture looks appealing too. Aldridge was at Glentres Forest in the Tweed Valley yesterday to mark the region being named as the ninth host of both the mountain bike cross country and marathon events at next year's UCI Combined Cycling World Championships. It's shaping up to be a significant event in the 2023 calendar and the Kreef-based rider is determined to be part of it. Added Aldrich, who was crowned under 18 Scottish champion 
around Glen Terrace in 2018. I've been riding this track for a while now, so it's great it's getting the international recognition and is going to be used for such a major event. The plans look great and I really want to be involved if I can. This is my last year in the under-23s, so I'm really wanting to make that step up next year. Having the opportunity to compete in a World Championships in front of a home crowd would be an incredible experience, and it would be a dream come true to pull on a rainbow jersey. Glentress is known as being a brilliant destination for mountain biking, and I think the riders and fans will be in for a real treat next year. Like many in his position, Aldridge is trying to juggle gaining an education while advancing his sporting aspirations at the same time. He has just completed his second year studying mechanical engineering at Edinburgh University, happy to be back home for the summer and able to spend more time on the bike and less with his head in the books. He adds, it's been a bit of a stress juggling everything, but I'm getting there. My studies are going okay, although it's pretty hard at times. I'm still able to cycle a lot, thankfully. The Pentland Hills are great for the mountain bike, or I can just get the road bike out and head around locally. There are some good spots around Edinburgh. Home for me is still creep, so that's where I'm based now for the summer and I can just concentrate on cycling for a few months now and not have to worry about lectures and exams for a while. Report by Graeme McPherson Evening Time Sport, May 31 Northern Ireland boss backs Rangers Stephen Davis Report by Ian Parker Northern Ireland boss Ian Barraclough wants to see Captain Stephen Davis sign a new contract at Rangers and believes the 37-year-old can keep going for another two or three seasons. Davis is part of the 28-strong Northern Ireland squad that has reported for duty in Belfast ahead of the Nations League fixtures against Greece, Cyprus and Kosovo over the next two weeks. But his club future is uncertain, with his deal expiring at the end of June. Reports in Scotland suggest Davis, who has 134 caps for his country, has held positive discussions with the Ibrooks club and suggested a new one-year contract could be forthcoming and confirmation of that would delight Barraclough. He said, I think he can play for another couple or three years, but that's me. I don't want to ramp up any sort of pressure on him. I always get plenty of questions about him, and I don't like talking about the subject of him retiring. In the Scottish Cup final, I thought he was great. He came on in the Europa League final, calmed things down for Rangers at the time, maybe could have even got a goal or two for Rangers as well, and he put his penalty away, which shows his coolness of mind. He's our leader, our captain, he's someone we want around for a little while longer.
Barakov said that barring one or two minor knocks, there were no injury concerns within his squad, with no absentees as they gathered over the weekend. Northern Ireland, the top seeds in League C Group 2, host Greece on Thursday, before travelling to Cyprus and Kosovo, then returning to Belfast to face Cyprus again on June 12. Said Barraclough, I think the majority of them are fit and raring to go straight away. Just one or two are carrying knocks. Four games in 10 or 11 days is going to be a stretch for everybody. Hopefully we get everybody going from game to game with full fitness, but we'll have to make several changes, I'm sure, as we go along. I think we've got a nice blend of players that are desperate to do well, and those that have been there, done it, seen it, and can be a calming influence on the rest of them. The Nations League has never been kind to Northern Ireland since its inception. But, having suffered relegation to the third tier last time, Barakov now wants to use the competition as an opportunity. He said, Germany 2024 is our long-term goal, so these games play a part in that. We want to top the league, which could get us a playoff place for the Euros, and that's nothing to be sniffed at. But you've also got to weigh up what's right for the group, and that's seeing players come in and giving them their chance, so you have more players with experience going into that Euros qualifying group when it comes around next year. Manchester City prospect Shea Charles, who can play in midfield or defence, is among the new faces in Barraclough's squad with the 18-year-old having quickly progressed through the youth levels with Northern Ireland. Said Barraclough, he's not played a senior game as yet for his club or his country, so you're going into unknown territory. He's a calm lad, he takes things on board, he's athletic, he can handle the football. Report by Ian Parker, Evening Time Sport, May 31. Golf phenomenon West steps out of spotlight after bringing huge attention to women's game, says Nick Roger. There's a lot of chatter about imperial weights and measures at the moment, which is all quite fitting really. The erudite depth of this column, for instance, tends to be measured in fathoms on the basis that not many folk can fathom it out. Despite leaving many a reader scratching their head like Stan Laurel trying to solve the Boolean Pythagorean triples problem, this page has been going now for the best part of 12 years. Some of you have possibly chopped off those years in the same sighing way a glum prison inmate wearily chalks off the days of their punishment on the walls of an austere cell. It's been quite a sentence, hasn't it? In the world of golf, meanwhile, Michelle Wee West's stretch as a touring professional is coming to an end. Now, how's that for a spectacularly tenuous link to this week's offering? She will enjoy her swan song in the United States Women's Open, 
which starts on Thursday at Pine Needles, and then step away from the LPGA Tour to pursue a variety of other golf-related ventures. Wee West is only 32, but she's been around for so long, you just about expect footage of her early outings to feature on the fusty archives of the British Pathy newsreels. She was, after all, playing in USGA events at the age of just 10. At 12, she played in an LPGA Tour event, and at 14, she came within a shot of making the cut among the men on the PGA Tour. Wee West was a child prodigy who was going to exert a Tiger Woods-like tyranny over the women's game. It didn't quite work out that way, of course. Wee West was very good, very early, and was ranked number three in the world by the age of 16. Between the ages of 13 and 16, she had played in 12 major championships and had racked up half a dozen top five finishes, three of them as an amateur. The Wee West phenomenon was quite something and brought huge attention to golf. When she accepted an invitation to play in the 2005 John Deere Classic, a men's PGA Tour event which offered places into the Open for the leading finishers otherwise not exempt, the prospect of her becoming the first woman to play in golf's most venerated major had all and sundry drooling like bloodhounds gazing at a plate of lynx sausages. The sideshow of her competing against the men did, however, become something of an exercise in exploitation as the whole thing developed into the kind of roll-up, roll-up, point-and-gate spectacle that P.T. Barnum used to promote. It had started with the PGA Tour's Sony Open in her native Hawaii in 2004, but after she turned pro the week before her 16th birthday a year later and signed multi-million dollar contracts with Nike and Sony, the bandwagon rumbled into Europe and the Far East. Under the constant glare of her parents, BJ and Bo, who seemed to orchestrate her every move and apparently went from overprotective guardians to meddling busybodies. Wee West cameo appearances alongside her male counterparts often made for cringeworthy viewing. The pressure and the hype was relentless and did nothing for Wee or the women's game as a whole. She was written off and put down even before her career had really been given an opportunity to develop. The fact that she enjoyed something of a renaissance and claimed her one and only major crown at the 2014 United States Women's Open was a defiant celebration of her drive, determination, desire and unquestionable talent. In a topsy-turvy professional career, her progress was hamstrung by niggling injuries and numerous surgical procedures. Her tearful outpouring after grimacing and wincing to an opening 84, 
her worst round on the LPGA Tour during the Women's PGA Championship in 2019 painfully illustrated a woman at the end of her tether. Confronting athletic decline and facing up to the prospect of career-ending ailments is not something any sports person wants to encounter. Ending your playing days on your own terms can be hard enough. Being forced to bring the curtain down, having been betrayed by your body, adds a cruel twist to the process. We West has five LPGA Tour titles, including that maiden major on her CV. For many golfers, that would be a pretty stellar career. When it comes to We West, however, it's viewed as a fairly modest return for a player who seemed destined for greater feats. In this game of what-ifs, maybes and might-have-beens, We West, now a mother to a one-year-old daughter, remains content with her lot. She told Golf Week over the weekend, I don't have any regrets because I feel like I've always learned from every mistake that I've made. I feel like even if it was a huge major fail, at least it makes a good story for now. We West grew up in the spotlight and came under the kind of microscopic scrutiny often reserved for organisms in a petri dish. That she managed to earn a degree at Stanford University while playing full-time on the LPGA Tour was perhaps one of her most impressive accomplishments. Having spent over two decades making headlines inside the ropes, We West is now preparing for life outside of them. The story continues. Notes, Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport, May 31. Nottingham Forest step up bid for Connor Wilson. Report by David Irvin. Premier League new boys, Nottingham Forest, are reportedly keen on a move for Connor Goldson as his Rangers contract runs down. The 29-year-old defender has been identified as a potential signing for Steve Cooper as he looks to strengthen his side for the move to the English top flight after their playoff triumph. The Scottish Sun claim Forrest are ready to offer a deal to Goldson to return south after a four-year stay at Ibrooks. It comes as Goldson's future remains up in the air, with no new deal agreed with Rangers, and Giovanni van Bronckhurst admitting there's only a small chance he'll remain in Glasgow. The latest reports suggest Goldson could head back to England to join Forrest and play in the top flight alongside Scotland international Scott McKenna. Forrest star Joe Worrell, who also played for Rangers, could also be in the squad next term, but it's claimed Goldson could serve as his replacement, with Leicester keen on the Englishman. Speaking on Goldson's Rangers future before the Scottish Cup final, Van Bronckhurst said, Regarding Connor, the club has been in talks with him to extend his contract. So far, he didn't extend it. But the chance he will still be a Rangers player tomorrow, I think, will be small, 
But as I said, I would love to have Connor in the team next year. As you see quite a lot when players get out of contract, there are two possibilities, to keep playing for Rangers or move on and to have another challenge. I still have in my mind that he will be part of Rangers next season. If that's my feeling or the reality, we will have to watch in the coming weeks. I think Connor has been amazing for this team in all these years as a Rangers player. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, May 31 Patrick Thistle want Rangers pair on loan. Report by James Kearney. Patrick Thistle manager Ian McCall is keen on bringing Rangers pair Kai Kennedy and James Maxwell on loan to Firhill for the new season and the pair could be used as part of a deal to send promising Jags striker Cameron Cooper the other way according to reports. As a former player, the Thistle manager enjoys a strong relationship with Ibrox and has regularly taken youngsters on loan from the Govan club. McCall is a long-term admirer of Kennedy's and has previously worked with left-back Maxwell at Air United. The Daily Record report that McCall is keen to bring the pair to the Maryhill outfit to help the Jags push for promotion to the championship, adding that Cooper could move to the south side of Glasgow as part of the negotiations. The Scotland under-17s international has caught the eye of Ibrox chiefs who are reportedly trying to strike a compensation deal with Thistle. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport May 31 Rangers meet with UK government to discuss supporters' treatment in Seville. Report by James Kearney Rangers have held discussions with the UK government as the Premiership Club continued to make their case that supporters were mistreated at the Europa League final earlier this month. Giovanni van Bronckhurst's team faced Eintracht Frankfurt in the Seville showpiece and tens of thousands of fans of the Ibrox club followed their team to Spain for the famous occasion. The Glasgow club were ultimately defeated on penalties, but it is events off the park that have been gathering headlines for all the wrong reasons. UEFA have been accused of treating the travelling Rangers support poorly, with many first-half accounts claiming that fans had no access to drinking water in the stadium. Ibrooks chiefs have been lobbying on behalf of the club's supporters and have recently met with representatives from the UK government to discuss the issue, according to a statement released this morning. It read, This morning, a representative from Rangers met with Her Majesty's government to discuss the issues faced by our support in Seville before, during and after the Europa League final. We are grateful for this engagement and will continue to lobby on behalf of our supporters. Report by James Kearney, Evening Time Sport, May 31. Nicholas accuses Sunas of pandering to England. 
report by James Kearney. Former Celtic striker Charlie Nicholas has accused Graeme Souness of looking for plaudits down south after the Liverpool great suggested he would like to see Ukraine defeat Scotland to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. Steve Clark's side faced the war-torn European nation at Hamden tomorrow evening in the World Cup playoff semi-finals, where the victor will progress to a one-off final away to Wales for a place at the Qatar showpiece. Neutrals will be supporting Alexander Petrakovic's team, who have a tremendous amount of goodwill behind them. Sunas would like to see Ukraine to play at the tournament, even if it meant his own national team missing out because of the conflict in their homeland. But Nicholas believes his fellow former Scotland international is simply playing to the gallery. He told the Express, Graeme Souness says he wants Ukraine to beat Scotland. We're all entitled to our opinions, but maybe my old Sky Sports colleague is looking for more plaudits down south. I am certainly not in the Souness camp. I want Scotland to win their playoff semi-final at Hamden and advance to the make-or-break clash against Wales for a World Cup spot. I totally get why people would want Ukraine to make it to Qatar 2022, given what their people are having to go through. Scotland won't have many well-wishers among neutral observers, but in football you cannot afford sympathy. When that first whistle goes at 8pm, Steve Clark's players must forget about everything else that is going on in the world and concentrate on the next 90 or 120 minutes. There can't be any other thoughts in their minds. Scotland must put everything to one side and focus on trying to beat this talented Ukraine team. We know the passion and the emotion that surrounds this fixture, but let's not forget it has been 24 long years since the Tartan army last cheered on their heroes at a World Cup Finals. We as a nation and a team are desperate to get back there. Clark has handled the whole situation really well with his comments in the build-up to the playoffs. There is no doubt that his players fully grasp the importance and magnitude of this game and I'm sure that will stir them into action. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, May 31 Tierney on Steve Clark's impossible request Report by James Kearney Kieran Tierney says he was gutted once he realised he would play no part in Scotland's World Cup playoffs in July but the Arsenal defender insists he has no regrets over giving his all for club and country. The 24-year-old has not had his injury troubles to seek in his career and was ruled out of international contention for this summer when a knee complaint picked up in April required surgery to heal. It was the latest injury setback for a player who has already suffered his fair share 
but Tierney insists he has never considered the easing up in his approach to training and matches. The versatile defender admitted that national team manager Steve Clark has asked him to chill on occasion to maintain his fitness, a request that Tierney dubbed impossible. He told the Scottish Sun, I've always been like that, wanting to give 100% since my younger days. I've always had a worry of not wanting to cheat teammates or the team overall. Giving everything is just my style and I enjoy it that way. Maybe I don't do myself any favours at times. I remember Steve Clark saying to me one day, Kieran, sometimes you can chill, you know. Don't worry, everybody already knows what type of player you are and what you can bring. But I told him, I can't, it's impossible for me. Obviously, if I've got a niggle, then I know I need to be careful. In my youth days or coming through, I had it in my head that I wasn't the best technically, so I felt I had to work even harder. It's just stuck with me, and I can't see me changing now. I'd end up feeling guilty if I ever eased up on things. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport May 31 True Grit Potential World Cup showdown with England giving Scotland extra motivation. Report by Matthew Lindsay Che Adams has admitted the prospect of facing England in the World Cup finals for the first time has given the Scotland players an added incentive to beat Ukraine in their Qatar 2022 playoff semi-final. Steve Clark's team will take on Alexander Petrikov's side in front of a sellout crowd in the rescheduled Path A match at Hamden tomorrow evening. The visitors will take to the field in a competitive fixture for the first time since the Russian invasion of their country back in February and will have the support of the football world behind them. But Adams, the Southampton striker, who is set to start up front for the national team, has stressed that Scotland will not lack motivation either. This country has not reached a World Cup Finals since France 98, some 24 years ago, and if they make it through to Qatar in November, they will face England, Iran and the United States in Group B. Adams knows it will be difficult to overcome Euro 2020 quarter-finalist Ukraine in the playoff semi-final and then Wales in Cardiff in the final. However, the Leicester-born forward, who qualifies to play for this country through a grandmother who hails from Edinburgh, admits the prospect of facing England is an appealing one. He said, it is a big incentive. It gives everyone that bit more grit between the teeth. We've got Ukraine first, which is going to be difficult. We just need to get through this and then we'll really build the belief. They have got quality. The thing I've noticed about international football is you aren't always up against the biggest of countries, 
but they all have talent in their ranks. Every game is difficult. I have played against a few of the Ukrainian players. Alexander Zinchenko is a great player. I think he plays a different position than he does for Manchester City. Then you look at Andrei Yarmolenko at West Ham. He's a really good player with a lot of quality. But we have sat down and looked at the whole team. I am sure they will be looking at us and thinking exactly the same thing, that we are a decent team as well. We have quality in the squad and great team character. That stuff doesn't come easy. We are also unbeaten in a while and that's something we need to keep building. The foundations are there thanks to the gaffer and the team. It's all on the pitch for everyone to see. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, May 31. Dre Wright is on his way out of Hibs. Report by Ian Collin. Dre Wright is leaving Hibernian. The former St Johnson attacker is not wanted as part of Lee Johnson's new regime at Easter Road and is on the lookout for a new club. A return to former club St Johnson could be one possible option for the Englishman as he bids to kickstart his career away from Hibs. The 27-year-old's deal runs out at the end of next month and he is expected to be just one of a handful of players to leave the capital outfit this summer as Johnson puts his stamp on the squad he inherited from Sean Maloney and Jack Ross. Hibs will not be taking up their option of on-loan Fulham youngster Sylvester Jesper, while loans for James Scott and Rocky Bushiri are up, and contracts also expire for Sean Mackey, Alex Gojic and Scott Allen. Wright has suffered a difficult two years at Hibs since joining from Saints in 2020. Signed by Jack Royce, he made 23 starts and 50 appearances over his two years at the club, but found himself the target of disgruntled supporters as the team struggled this season, leading Sean Maloney to publicly back the winger. Report by Ian Collin Evening Times Sport, June 1 Clark addresses Andy Robertson beer on bus controversy. Report by Matthew Lindsay Steve Clark has brushed aside harsh criticism of Andy Robertson following Liverpool's end-of-season celebrations and insisted his captain is in perfect shape to lead Scotland through to the World Cup finals. Robertson was savaged by many angry members of the Tartan army when he was seen drinking beer with his Anfield teammates on an open-top bus tour to mark their Caribou Cup and FA Cup wins on Sunday and looking the worst for wear. However, national team manager Clark, whose men will play Ukraine in the Qatar 2022 playoff semi-final at Hamden tonight, was pleased to see the left-back enjoy his successes in the 2021-22 campaign with Reds supporters. 
he knows his skipper, who took part in a final training session at Orium yesterday, will be determined to put the Champions League final defeat to Real Madrid in Paris on Saturday, firmly behind him with a victory. Said Clark, I didn't see the criticism. I saw the clip and I was pleased that he was getting over his disappointment. Some people want to make too much out of small things. It was the right thing to do, the right thing to celebrate with his team and his supporters on the back of a fantastic season for Liverpool. He has joined us in a great place and that's all I am concerned about. I don't care about criticism. It won't bother Andy and it certainly won't bother me. We had a little chat and he is fine. Listen, Liverpool had a great season. When you look at two of the four major trophies in the cabinet, missed out on the league by a point and one goal did them in the Champions League final. They should have been in front before they conceded that goal. They were very close to the quadruple. They've had a great season. Finishing with two disappointments is something you learn to deal with as a professional player. It's not as if he is going to a poor Nations League end of season game with Scotland. It's one of the biggest games he has probably ever faced for his country. So he will be ready to go. We all want it. They all want it. You must have seen that. You must have seen the evolution of this group over the last three years. They want to be successful for their country. Andy is the leader of that and he is the captain. He drives that and we are in a good place. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, June 1. Craig Gordon dismisses Sunis's Ukraine comments. Report by Graeme McGarry. There will be Scotland fans who would ordinarily consider the donation of a kidney to be a fair enough swap if it meant they could follow the nation to a World Cup, who will feel nonetheless a little conflicted about cheering on their nation against Ukraine tonight. Such are the tragic circumstances back in their homeland. Many will find it difficult to will even their own country to stamp on the dreams of the Ukrainian players, give the symbol of hope they would become for their compatriots should they triumph at Hamden. It wasn't quite so startling then as it ordinarily may have been to hear a bona fide Scotland legend like Graeme Souness saying this week that he hopes Ukraine win. But as warm a sentiment as that may be, it won't be one shared by 50,000 odd members of the Tartan army when the whistle goes in Mount Florida this evening. For 90 minutes, at least, goodwill towards the visitors will be placed firmly on the back burner and Steve Clark's players fall firmly into that camp. Of the current Scotland squad, no one has waited longer than Craig Gordon for such an opportunity to present itself, with the hearts keeper Riley acknowledging the fact that Sunis's opinion 
comes from the luxurious position of having represented his country at three World Cups during his own career. So while Gordon retains the greatest respect for Sunnis and his opinions, it is fair to say his words will not be figuring in the pre-match team talk or much on the minds of the Scottish players. Said Gordon, it doesn't really matter. He's entitled to his opinion. I know the guys that go out on the pitch, the squad here, would desperately love to get to a World Cup. It's maybe a bit different. He's not playing now. For us players, these opportunities don't come around very often. We desperately want to make this our time. We have a very difficult match to win just to get through to the next stage. So that's all we are concentrating on. We want to go and try to win that. And whoever anybody wants to support, that's entirely up to them. These chances do not come around very often. And at 39, you don't know if there will be another one. It's a huge opportunity, but it's still a very difficult game. You just have to concentrate on the football. That's what we're trained to do. We cannot even imagine what's going on. We have no clue, really. We cannot understand exactly what all these players are going through, what each individual's circumstances are. What we have to do is concentrate on football, be ready and make sure we are as prepared as we can be to try to win the match. I know everybody here, our aim is to get to the World Cup. No matter which team gets put in our way, we have to try to win the match. There is no room for that debate. It is up to each individual supporter to decide what they want. For us as a group, we want to try and win a football match. As a testimony to Gordon's longevity in international football, he is unsurprisingly the only player from the Scotland team who faced Ukraine on their last visit to Hamden in 2007, who is still plying his trade professionally, never mind at such a high level. He would dearly love a repeat of the 3-1 scoreline that Alex McLeish's men battled to on that day, come full time this evening. He said, The game at Hamden was excellent. It was a really good performance. I remember the goals. Kenny Miller had a header at the near post for the first one. Lee McCulloch made it two from a set piece round the back, where he peeled off, took the ball down, and curled a great finish into the far corner. Then it was all about James McFadden with the third one. It was a great game and a close game as well. I know it was 3-1, but it was a really tight game. But it was probably one of our best performances in that group campaign. On the flip side, we got beaten in Ukraine, but both games were close and I expect this one to be no different. There is a big difference, however, in the approaches of the Scotland team of that era and of now, with Gordon believing that this may very well be the best national side he has been a part of in his long career. 
and they said, I think they played differently. That was very much a counter-attacking team, whereas this team can get on the ball and make things happen and be a possession-based team at times as well. The characteristics of the team are different, but I certainly take the same result at Hamden. I think we're pretty good right now. It's hard to judge between different eras. Football has developed as well, so it's hard to judge which players you would put in a sort of dream team. But certainly at the moment, I do feel as if we have the players that are capable of scoring goals, of hurting teams. We are fully confident that if we get everything right and we play to the best of our abilities, that we can win. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Time Sport June 1 Cricket Kyle Kutzer praises Scotland's adaptability Report by PA Sport Kyle Kutzer praised Scotland's ability to adapt to unfavourable conditions after they made it back-to-back -back wins in the ICC World Cup League 2 with a four-wicket defeat of the United Arab Emirates in Texas. The Scots successfully chased down a target of 216 with Captain Kutzer's 108-run stand along with Michael Leask's 47, crucial as they ground out victory with 12 balls to spare. After following up their defeat against the United States on Saturday, with a victory over the same opponent the following day, Shane Berger's side have now won two of their three games in Texas as they step up their bid to qualify for the World Cup. They are currently second in the League 2 table, behind Oman and above the UAE, whom they face again on Friday to complete this four-game series. Kutzer told Cricket Scotland, We spoke as a group in our scouting meeting about how we would react if we lost the toss on our ground and in conditions that have certainly been favouring batting first. That happened, but the bowlers adjusted very well and stuck to their plans defending one side of the field and attacking from the other, and we certainly put the UAE under pressure through certain phases of the game. Importantly, we took our catches too, and we were able to hold them to a lowish total, because chasing was always going to be tricky on that surface. Chris Soule was a standout bowler, he has come in and hit a really decent length in the last couple of games, but all of the bowlers put in a shift, especially into the breeze. Then came a fighting effort in the second half to try and get over the line. We had to graft away, and I rode my luck at times, but on that pitch you really had to commit to your shots if you were going to play them and I am just pleased to help the team get some more points on the board. In recent times, we have relied a lot on Richie Berrington and George Munsey with the bat, so it was good to see other guys chipping in, and Michael Leask came in and did a great job for the team when required. 
His innings provided some impetus when it was required, and he has been in great form with bat and ball for a while now. It was a character-building day in the heat as we got to our target. We have done well to win our last two games, and we will now look forward to Friday. We want to end the trip on a high. Report by Press Association Sport Evening Times Sport June 1 Stephen Davis pens one-year contract extension at Rangers Report by Ewan Payton The veteran midfielder has put pen to paper on a deal which runs until the summer of 2023 and will stay with Rangers. Signing on for his 10th year across two spells, Davis will continue to act as an experienced professional both on and off the park for the Ibrooks club. As well as playing a role in Giovanni van Bronckhorst's squad, it has been revealed that the club will support the Northern Ireland skipper's ambition to move into coaching over the next 12 months. The new deal means he will join up with his Rangers teammates again when they return for pre-season at the end of June. A club statement reads, Rangers are delighted to confirm midfielder Stephen Davis has signed a one-year extension to his Ibrox contract. He initially joined the club on loan in January 2008 and made that move permanent that summer, staying until the summer of 2012. In that time he won three league titles, three league cups and two Scottish cups, while also claiming a runners-up medal in the 2008 UEFA Cup final. Following a successful spell, at Premier League Southampton, he returned to Rangers in the 2019 January transfer window, again on an initial loan. He quickly re-established himself as a key figure for the Light Blues and has since gone on to add a further league title, Scottish Cup and Europa League runners-up medal in the three and a half years since. While he has continued to play a significant role on the park, off it, he has been a real leader in the dressing room, with his experience proving invaluable for so many players around him. Davis himself commented, I am absolutely delighted. It was a really important season for us last year, and to finish on a high with the Scottish Cup was important for the team and the group and we want to try and kick on again next year. Growing up as a Rangers fan, it was always going to be special pulling on the jersey, and I have been very fortunate to do it the number of times that I have, and to have some of the memories I have had. We know success is what is demanded at the club, and you want to play at the highest level possible and we have shown we are capable of doing that as a group. So it is really important we try to kick on next season and get our hands on more silverware. Ross Wilson added, It is great that we will continue to have Stephen's influence and understanding of Rangers with the group over the course of the next 12 months, 
I've known Stephen a long time now, both as a player and character who sets standards every day. Stephen and Gio had a really good chat about how the manager sees the next 12 months and as a club we are also keen to support Stephen's development in his coaching aspirations when the time is right and when he wants to do that. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, June 1 Rangers confirm Itton transfer exit Report by David Irvin Cedric Itton has left Rangers to return to Switzerland at BSC Young Boys. The Ibrox club this morning confirmed the striker has sealed a switch back to his homeland. Rangers stated an undisclosed fee was paid for the 25-year-old, with reports earlier this week touting a £1.55 million transfer fee. Itton played 49 times for Rangers in his two years in Glasgow, scoring nine times, but he has now called time on his stint in Scotland to join young boys in Switzerland. A statement on the Rangers club website read, Rangers can today confirm striker Cedric Itton has joined BSC Young Boys for an undisclosed fee. Striker Itton initially joined Rangers in the summer of 2020 and he went on to make 49 appearances for the club. He also scored nine goals, with a number of those being crucial in the delivery of title number 55 to Ibrox in 2020-21, not least a late strike against Motherwell in the December of that season that turned a tight match in the light blues favour. To date, he has been capped seven times by the Swiss national team, has scored four goals and will be aiming to join their World Cup-bound squad in November. Everyone at Ibrox wishes Cedric well for this next move in his career. Report by David Irvin Evening Time Sport, June 1 Lisbon Lions side voted greatest ever as Celtic legends rank above other European giants. Report by Ewan Payton Celtic's legendary Lisbon Lions team have been named the greatest ever club side. A recent poll conducted by BBC Sport has placed the Hoops 1967 European Cup heroes as the best team to ever win the competition. Jock Steen famously led the Glasgow Giants to their biggest ever honour, with captain Billy McNeil lifting the trophy in Lisbon following victory over Inter Milan. The win of course meant that Celtic were the first ever British side to lift the top club trophy. Goals from Tommy Gemmell and Stevie Chalmers saw the hoops come from behind to win 2-1. The triumph is undoubtedly regarded as Celtic's greatest ever achievement in their history. Now, according to the BBC poll, the majority of fans believe they're the greatest club team to win the tournament. The Lisbon Lions won the poll with 34% of the vote. 
Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team of 2010-2011, featuring Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, David Villa and more, were in second spot with 24%. Sir Alex Ferguson's famous treble winning team of 1998-99 finished third in the vote on just 14%. The most recent team to feature on the shortlist was Bayern Munich's squad of 2012-13. Report by Ewan Payton, Evening Times Sport, June 1. Rangers in pole position to land Patek Thistle's Cameron Cooper. Report by David Irvin. Rangers are reportedly in pole position to sign Patek Thistle talented Cameron Cooper. The Ibrox club are interested in the young striker as wonder kid Rory Wilson confirmed that he would be leaving Rangers. The 49-goal striker is ending his time with the Ibrox club to head down south for a new challenge, but Cooper could be a quick-fire replacement in the Ibrox youth ranks. The Scotland under-17 forward and teammate of Wilson on the international stage, is being watched by a host of Premier League clubs. West Ham, Sheffield United and Leicester Scouts have all been tracking Cooper with David Moyes' hammers keen on a deal. However, Cooper could instead head for Ibrooks, with reports claiming Rangers could use two youth graduates as make-weights in the deal. James Maxwell and Kai Kennedy could reportedly feature in a deal which brings Cooper to Ibrox and sees the pair head to Firhill. The Scottish Sun report Rangers are leading the pack in terms of a transfer swoop for Cooper. On leaving Rangers, Wilson said, Rangers have been brilliant for me. There's no getting away from that but it's time to move on and get to the next level. I'd like to thank Rangers for everything they have done for me because it's been great for me over the last eight years, but it is time to leave. I'll probably be going down south. Report by David Irvin. Evening Time Sport, June 1. John Souter on dealing with Rangers transfer setback. Report by David Irvin John Souter has admitted it was difficult when his move to Rangers faced a transfer setback in January. The Scotland centre-back agreed a four-year deal with the Ibrooks club in a pre-contract agreement and Rangers were keen to bring Souter to the club immediately. However, a move was blocked with hearts sticking to their transfer demands for a quick-fire move. Souter, who was officially announced to have signed on until 2026 at Rangers today, admits it was a difficult situation at the time, but he insists he quickly moved on to focus on his efforts at Hearts before making the move in the summer. Speaking on Rangers TV, Souter explained, it's been a long time since I obviously signed the pre-contract in January, but it's a brilliant day for me and my family to join Rangers. 
It nearly happened in January. So it's obviously dealing with that setback of it not happening and focusing on football. It was difficult at the time, but after it was over with, it was over with. So I just gave 100% focus on the task in hand at Hearts. I obviously had that small injury problem a few months ago, but it was always in my head to get back for these Scotland games and get ready for the summer. Report by David Irvin Evening Time Sport, June 1 Zinchenko praises Tartan Army for Ukrainian anthem gesture Report by Matthew Lindsay Ukraine midfielder Alexander Zinchenko lauded the Scotland supporters who have pledged to sing his country's national anthem at the Qatar 2022 playoff semi-final tonight and stated the evil of the Russian invasion will only be defeated if countries unite. The Manchester City midfielder spoke emotionally about the ongoing conflict in his homeland before he took part in a training session at Hamden along with his fellow members of the visitors' national squad. The 25-year-old confessed that he and his teammates were touched when he told the sellout 52,000-strong crowd inside the stadium will sing the glory and freedom of Ukraine have not yet perished before kick-off this evening, said Zinchenko. I take this initiative extremely well. We have to be together. We have to fight Russian aggression. We have to basically defeat the evil. So yes, this is an amazing, amazing initiative. Zinchenko, who helped City to reach the Champions League semi-final and win the Premier League this season, admitted that he thought long and hard about returning to Ukraine to help fight the Russians following the invasion back in February. However, the 48 times cap player opted to stay in England and use his profile to highlight the plight of his people to the world. He has been heartened by the support his country has received from the football world. He said, Maybe I was holding a few times the gun, the weapon. I am 100% sure I will be more useful to Ukraine to be in Manchester and to try to help the Ukrainian people and Ukraine as much as I can with a lot of different things. Starting with sending some stuff, sending some money, sending messages to my Instagram followers. Even, I don't know, doing some interviews, speaking with you. I need to share this. And I need to show the whole world what is happening right now in Ukraine. The whole world needs to know the real truth. This, I feel, is my mission. I 100% agree with Andrei Chevchenko, the legendary Ukrainian striker, who has said exactly the same. Asked how difficult it will be for the Ukrainian players to focus on playing football, against Scotland, given the situation in their country, Zinchenko said, 
I've been asked this question a lot in these months, and I think you can ask any Ukrainian, and the answer will be the same. It is impossible to describe these feelings until you are in this position. The things which are happening now in our country are not acceptable. It's something which I cannot even describe. That's what we need to stop this aggression together, and we need to win. Because Ukraine is a country of freedom. Ukraine is not going to give up. But the thing is, a lot of countries maybe don't understand that today it's Ukraine, but tomorrow it could be you. So that's why we need to be united, and we need to beat this Russian aggression altogether. Ukraine manager Alexander Petrikov attempted to enlist in the army when the Russians invaded his country, only to be told to concentrate on helping to prepare the national team for the match against Scotland. He is unsure how his side, who have played three warm-up friendly games against Borussia Mönchengladbach, Empoli and Rijeka this month, will perform. However, he is certain there will be no shortage of desire. Said Peter Krog, It's clearly a very difficult task to prepare the team when every single player is thinking about fathers, mothers, close relatives and family back in Ukraine. We are using a whole load of methods. We try jokes. We try to motivate people in a light manner. But every player knows clearly just how huge this challenge is for this game, and that will make my task even more difficult, as I am working under a lot of duress and stress, but we are trying to show our best. We are trying to achieve the result, and the team is fully prepared to fight. The game is very difficult, and the situation is very difficult, and I will find certain words for certain players but I don't want to reveal them all. This is a very intimate conversation that I am going to have with my players. I don't want to say exactly what I will tell my players, but the main thing is to achieve the result. We only played three friendly games. They were not competitive. What the players will be like, we will see on the pitch. The Scottish team is a strong team. They can substitute any player on the field and could play with any formation or set of players. They are like Ukraine as every player has a substitute. Every player could be substituted for an equal player. It means nothing as the game will happen on the pitch and we will see how that will go. There will be a poll to elect a lion of the match among the Ukrainian players. It's a charity vote where every vote will mean Ukrainian Rivna and all the money will go to the charity foundation. This time all of the lions on the pitch will be helping the lions on the battlefield. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, June 6. Celtic Scout Aberdeen's Connor Barron. Report by Ewan Payton. Aberdeen's young ace, Connor Barron, is reportedly on the radar of Celtic this summer. 
the 19-year-old has been on Scotland under-21 duty, and the Scottish Daily Express report that scouts from Celtic watched his performance against Belgium. The game finished goalless, with Barron the standout player on the part. The midfielder has become a rising star within Scottish football over the past few months, having been drafted into the Dons' first team by Jim Goodwin since his arrival back in February. He regularly impressed during a disappointing end to the season for the Pitaudry outfit. He also played for Kelty Hearts on loan during the first half of last term. Reports suggest that there could be a potential move for Barron should he continue to star for club and country. Goodwin has already outlined how important Barron is to his plans in the new campaign and said, It is important to remind ourselves Connor is 19 and has only had a handful of games in the first team. He is a big part of our plans, but we are looking to strengthen that area as we don't want Connor thinking he's a mainstay. We want him thinking if he drops his standards, he'll be out of the team, and that comes back to recruitment. There should not be a single player in the team who thinks it does not matter what they do in the game, they, that they will be in the team next week. Evening Times Sport, June 6. Beth Morrow looks ahead to the prestigious women's tour. Report by Susan Egglestaff. Only a few years ago, Beth Morrow described herself as looking like a goon on a bike. So it says much for the speed of her progress that over the coming weeks, she will be racing in the most prestigious women's bike race in this country, the Women's Tour. The race is the UK's leading international stage race, and Morrow, who is a member of the CMS Basso team, will be riding alongside the likes of reigning national champion Georgie Pfeiffer, UCI World Hour Record holder Joss Loudon, and former champions Kasia Nuedaumoma and Corin Labeki. Morrow, who is just 19, admits being on the biggest stage of all is surreal. And she says, I'm very excited. Riding the women's tour has been a goal of mine for so long, so it is incredibly exciting to be actually doing it. It's a huge race to be a part of, and such good experience to be alongside such big names. The Edinburgh athlete adds, I am expecting it to be very, very hard, but I feel like I am in good shape and the racing I have done over the past few months has stood me in good stead, so I think I know what to expect. As recently as 2018, Morrow was only riding her bike once a week. She began her sporting career as a runner before transitioning into triathlon and it was her natural strength on the bike in the latter that planted the seed that perhaps she should give cycling a go. Success was far from immediate, but there was something about cycling that encouraged her to continue, despite being a long way from the top of the pile.
The teenager says, I was relatively good at athletics when I was growing up. I was at national level, but I was nothing special. But I used to get ridiculously anxiety, even though I wasn't that good. So I often didn't really enjoy it. I'd grown up cycling with my family, so I had a good base, but I had absolutely no speed. And so when I started racing, everyone seemed so fast and I was getting lapped time and time again. I didn't get disheartened, although I don't know why not, because I probably should have. My expectations of myself were very low and that helped. And even though I wasn't doing that well, I still enjoyed it. And so that's why I stuck with it. And I had a lot of support and telling me I had potential. In 2018, Morrow joined her local cycling club, Edinburgh Road Club, as well as a Scottish cycling development project. It was the following year, however, that things began to really take off. She was invited to join the Scottish cycling programme and began racing more seriously, although with little of the professional equipment and what she describes as a highly suspect technique, Morrow is disparaging about how she must have looked. But as her performances improved, so too did the number of people who recognised her talent, which last year led to her being signed by Story Racing the team led by Paralympic champion, Sarah Storey. It was, however, her move this season to the UCI continental team, CAMS Basel, that has allowed the teenager to make the move into the big time. A disrupted winter caused by a knee injury and a bout of COVID was not what she had planned. But the first month of being a professional cyclist has been a thrill, as well as a steep learning curve. She says, It's been amazing to be part of a pro team. The team is really good fun. It's a great environment, and I'm really enjoying the process. Morrow, who is studying urban planning at Loughborough University, added, I feel like I'm improving loads. It was hard at the beginning of the season because I didn't feel as prepared as I wanted to be because of the injury and COVID setbacks, and that's not a nice feeling. And I'm not all that confident in my ability, even when things are going well, never mind when they're not. But I still did okay, and that really helped my confidence. You can't always be on top form. So you need to learn to race even when things aren't perfect. That's where my inexperience shows. I'd never had the experience of turning up to a race and not feeling fully prepared. So it was a good lesson for me. Morrow's sole focus is on this week's women's tour, which begins in Colchester today and ends in Oxfordshire on Saturday but her longer-term goals include making it to the top level of her sport. And she said, I have goals about what I'd like to do if I could become a full-time professional cyclist. Becoming a pro is the aim, but for now, I'm just loving the process, 
And as long as I keep improving, that's the main thing. But I want to keep moving up, and a world tour team is definitely the main aim in the longer term. Report by Susan Egglestaff. Evening Times Sport, June 6. Partick Thistle manager McCall admits mixed feelings about Queen's Park rise. Report by James Kearney. Ian McCall is confident his Partick Thistle team will be able to put a sustained promotion challenge together next season, as the Maryhill Club will not be financially handicapped the way they were during the previous campaign. When COVID relief funding was shared out to SPFL clubs during the height of the pandemic, Thistle were left clutching the short straw. As a full-time club operating in the third tier, they were awarded a £150,000 grant, while Aloha and Arbroath, part-time championship clubs with significantly lower operating costs, each received £500,000 along with the other second-tier sides. It left the Glasgow club playing catch-up in a financial sense last year, as their divisional rivals all started £350,000 better off than the Jags. Moves such as the ground share with Queen's Park were agreed to increase revenue, but McCall believes that 12 months on, his team will be amongst the better financed ones in the league. McCall reasoned, I don't know if there will be an equal financial footing this year, but I think that our budget will be in the top half of the league. If you look at last season, then Fermland obviously underachieved and Arbroath obviously overachieved. Although their budget isn't as small as some people think, they had a great season. I was really pleased with us finishing fourth and I think we could have finished third or even second, but I think that's where we should be finishing in terms of budget certainly in the top half, and the difference between 4th and 5th is huge because of the playoff. The key to it for us is that our fan base will expect us to finish higher than 4th next season. I expect us to finish higher than 4th, so 1st, 2nd or 3rd has to be the target. There will be a new club in the league next year, and one with deep pockets, in the form of Queen's Park, following the Spiders' success in the Championship playoffs. Managed by Owen Coyle, Scotland's oldest club are expected to flex their considerable financial muscle in the coming months. McCall admits he had mixed feelings ahead of Queen's Park's victory over Airdrie in the playoff final because of the spending power available to the South Side outfit. He said, the Queen's Park manager is a good friend of mine. I was having a cup of tea with him in the office before the playoff game, and my head wanted Airdrie, but my heart wanted Coyle to go up. But I told him, if I'm thinking with my professional head on, I'd rather they stayed down, because they might be able to outbid us for some players. That's yet to be proven though, so I don't know about that. Dundee will be the favourites for the title, 
but I think there will be three or four clubs wanting to finish high, and we are one of them. There are some within the Thistle fan base who see Queen's Park's back-to-back promotions as a threat to the Jags' status as the city's third force behind the old firm. As a club on the rise, some supporters are looking nervously over their shoulders, but McCall isn't one of them. As the point is put to him, a mischievous glint lights up the 57-year-old's eyes. Well, I regard Patrick Thistle as Glasgow's first team, so, said McCall. Report by James Kearney. Evening Times Sport, June 6. Neil Doncaster hails Scottish football fans for support. Report by Aidan Smith. Over 4 million fans turned out to watch their teams across all four Scottish professional football league divisions in season 21-22 as attendances across the country bounced back from the pandemic. A total of 4,082,038 fans attended matches across the Singe Premiership, Singe Championship, Singe League 1 and Singe League 2, including playoff fixtures. Another 383,260 fans attended fixtures across the Premier Sports Cup and SPFL Trust Trophy competitions. Those additional crowds mean 4,465,298 fans attended SPFL competitions across the season. The total figures would have been even higher if matches at the start of the season had not been played with reduced attendances due to COVID restrictions, while there was also a spell during December and January when fan numbers were reduced to a maximum of 500. Capacity attendances were allowed for the majority of the 2021-22 season. The 2018-19 season was the last to be played to a finish with full crowds after season 2019-20 was curtailed early due to the COVID lockdown. Neil Doncaster SPFL Chief Executive said, It is incredible that we have had over 4 million fans back in stadia, which underlines the central role which Scotland's national sport plays in communities all over the country. It is hugely encouraging to see such impressive attendances across all four Singe SPFL divisions, especially given how tough much of the last two years have been for our members. It is also a very timely financial boost for our 42 clubs, who played almost entirely behind closed doors during the 2020-21 season. Attendances in Scottish football continue to greatly outperform other countries of a similar size, and this is a real credit to the loyalty of supporters across the country, as well as the hard work of our individual clubs. The clubs themselves served up hugely compelling and competitive league battles, and we are all looking forward to more of the same next season across all four Singe SPFL divisions. Report by Aidan Smith. 
And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>